Hey, good morning and uh, happy new year to everyone. I know we've probably kind of been through this uh, kind of last week, um, but uh, uh, we tend to sit into, step into the new year with all our resolutions and all the rest of it. And uh, I came across a meme the other day which just said that my goal for 2019 is to do everything that I promised in 2018, which I should have done in 2017. And uh, I, I thought about it in 2016 and planned it in 2015. And so often in our lives, that's what we feel like. There was another one with a, um, it was New Year's, uh, a ton of timeline, and it had 11.59, somebody staring at the phone. 12 o'clock midnight, celebration. 12.01, staring back at the phone again. And uh, how often uh, we just, uh, you know, we do these things with very small uh, moments and then we're just back to normal again. And hopefully 2019, we'll, there'll be some changes in our lives. There'll be some development in our lives. You know, we'll, it'll be a better year for our, each one of us uh, as before. But I hope that you had some good moments at New Year and also at Christmas, uh, whatever it is. And I just love... Um, I think particularly when you're a young kid, uh, the whole thing of Christmas. And uh, I just want to reflect on it just briefly because I think it's quite important to what I want to say this morning. And I think particularly as you're a kid, Christmas morning, um, I used to love it. You know, there was the presents under the tree. Um, the ones that were for you, which was great, and the ones that you would see someone else open and you might see their faces hopefully light up um, as they do. I mean, the truth is I still love it, even though I'm not a kid. But um, as I say, I was thinking about this and the whole thing of the practice of study of the Bible, and I pulled out some old notes of mine from about 30 years ago um, up in the loft, um, and I thought, oh, this is quite helpful. And it was headed Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that famous verse that talks about our blessings in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And uh, here's my scribbled notes. There it is at the top. And I've written under it, it's Christmas, Andy, because they clearly like Christmas Day so much. And um, uh, then uh, alongside it, I've uh, sketched out things like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc., and other blessings that we have in Christ. All different shapes and sizes, some in boxes, some wrapped as crackers, some in envelopes, just all the different variety of shapes that you might get on Christmas morning. And it looks like my dream Christmas. You know, I've just kind of, there it is, scribbled out. Um, and then I've written, uh, um, no, sorry, that's, that's the presents there. Then I've written this, is they lie beneath the tree, only half unwrapped. Uh, but in an exciting way, in the sense of there's still unwrapping to do. We haven't got everything yet. Christmas Day is not over. We're still going um, with the gifts. Um, and, uh, and as I thought about it, I thought the practice of studying the Bible is primarily, the heart of it is about unwrapping the gift of God's word uh, in our lives and all of the promises uh, and all of the principles that are in there. And then I've written these six thoughts down. I scribbled these down, um, which you may not be able to read, so I've, uh, I've kind of written them out here. Um, as you look in at the Christmas tree, the first thing is you want to know what's under there for you, certainly as a kid. Okay, what is there for you um, that, that's there? I want to know what I've got. It seems obvious. I want to enjoy them. I want to enjoy opening them. And actually, opening a gift can be as enjoyable as the gift itself. There's something about it. There's the big reveal. There's the wrestle with the sellotape uh, that goes on. Um, I want to thank the person from whom it's been given. You know, or what's the label on it? Who's this one from? And I want to say thank you to them. Um, I want to make sure I don't miss anything. You know, who's ever had the envelope or the card and you shake it just to make sure there's not a check or some cash kind of in there? 
And I remember my, my, my dad bought my mum a ring one Christmas and decided to hide it in a jar of sugared almonds. You know, how wrong could that have gone? <laughs> but uh, make sure you've not missed something uh, amongst all the wrapping paper um, that might be there. I also want to find out how everything works. You know, I want to you know, how does that board game work? How did you put this thing together and get the best out of uh, the, the gift uh, that is there? Um, I, I, want to, I want to keep them and enjoy them for as, as forever, hopefully, um, to do that. And so it is with God's word. So it is with his, his words, his promises, his principles. You know, studying the Bible can be exactly like that, like opening presents on Christmas Day, not leaving them half unwrapped uh, in our lives. Because I, I want to know what I've got. I want to know what all of those blessings are that God has for me. And, uh, and so he's written them down in here. I want to enjoy opening them and not rushing that. Um, I want to thank him and appreciate the one who's given all that he's given for me. I certainly don't want to miss anything. So, you know, I'm going to make sure there's some, everything comes out that I can possibly get. I want to understand how it works so that I can live it out and I can make it part of my life, maximize its potential and enjoy the truths um, forever. Who knew studying the Bible could be so much fun? And uh, let's get creative with it. But as we walk into 2019, as, as Sarah prayed earlier on, you know, we all will face different challenges. We will all face different pressures. We will all face different stresses. Different unknowns will come our way, as well as different opportunities. And that can be with family, that can be in our relationships, that can be in our work, it can be in our health, it can be in our life. And in it all, we all need as much wisdom as possible for 2019 and as much encouragement as possible as we can possibly get. And so we read um, in Joshua, as, as Sarah read, Joshua 1 verses 7, 8, how God was encouraging Joshua in his leadership. And just think about it uh, for a moment. You know, Joshua was taking on after Moses, you know, the mighty Moses, the great Moses. I mean, what a pair of shoes to have to fill. You know, Moses, the sequel, is a, is a huge one to live up to. And Joshua's taken a whole new generation um, uh, forwards at this stage. And so God encourages him and says in verse 7, you know, be strong and very courageous. But it's one thing to say that to someone. It's something else to be able to enable someone to be strong and courageous in whatever they, ha they, ha they have to face. And so what God then says is this. He says, Joshua, I want you, he says, your strength and your courage will come from my word. Your strength and your courage will come from my word. Meditate on the word, believe its promises, obey its commands and its principles, because that's exactly how Moses uh, counseled all the people. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 11, during his leadership uh, years, um, Moses kept a written record of all the things that God did, his words, his acts, and he committed it to the care of the priests. They wrote it down, they guarded it, and they called it the book of the law. Uh, read about it in Deuteronomy 31, and it included the book of the covenant, um, Exodus 24, which had all the journeys that the people of God had been on. Um, it had all the regulations and uh, Moses even taught them a song that he wanted them to learn as well. It probably had the first five books of what we know as the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy uh, in there. And that is what they had. But it wasn't enough for the priests just to carry it and guard it. 
they had to, Joshua had to take it and read it daily in his life, make it part of his inner person by meditating on it because that is where his strength would come and where his courage would come for all that he needed to do. Now, when I first started out on my journey uh, with God as a new Christian, and uh, we heard from Stuart a little bit earlier on, I was seriously floundering in the Bible. You know, where to start with this? How do I understand it? You know, what do I make of this? And how do I apply it into my life? And after a couple of years um, of floundering, I came across a little booklet, and it was tiny. It was, it was smaller than my mobile phone today, and it was thinner than my mobile phone today. And... Uh, And it was called Quiet Times for Christian Growth. It was very simple. It was 50p. I thought, that'll do me. And uh, I took it away, and it had eight kind of topics on it. It had things on knowing God, on prayer, on fellowship, on evangelism, on priorities, on time with God, all that sort of stuff. And it had a series of passages, um, and then a series of questions for each one, so that I could just slowly begin to unpack what does this passage say, and what does that mean in my life? And the introduction to this little booklet was based on Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 talks about us delighting in God's law, delighting in the word of God. And it unpacks the blessings and the benefits that happen and come to us when we engage with the Bible. And it talks about the blessings of fruitfulness in our lives. You know, our leaves will not wither. It talks about um, uh, our resilience in life. It talks about spiritual prosperity in life. And so that little booklet for me introduced me to studying the Bible and genuinely delighting in God's word. And I think the two aspects to it are finding a key passage on a theme in particular and some key questions. And I discovered that the key to kind of digging up the treasure of what is in here is having some good, simple questions that just help us to unpack it. Certainly for, for my simple brain. Uh, anyway, that's what works uh, for me. So the book of Joshua um, writes this, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. It is very similar to the promises of Psalm 1 um, that I read all those years ago. And the Hebrew words translated meditate apparently means to mutter. Mutter, it's quite a, I like that little word, mutter. Um, people would often mutter the scripture. So, for example, um, they would read it out loud. They would speak it out loud. Uh, In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, we read about Philip and the Ethiopian. And Philip can hear the Ethiopian speaking, saying out loud the Bible. So he knows he's reading from Isaiah. So he he asks him and he starts to explain it to him because he doesn't understand it and uh, and leads him to faith. Um, And it is, it is as he reads it out, there's a little Bible study starts to go on in that place. God says to Joshua here, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips or in the version that Sarah read, do not let it depart from your mouth. Uh, someone once said, if you don't talk to your Bible, your Bible is unlikely to talk to you. I don't know if that's true. However, if it is true, be careful you don't shout at it. It might shout back. But there is something dynamic about really engaging with the Bible. You know, how the Old Testament frames the New Testament 
um, how the New Testament refers and quotes back into the Old Testament and the connection between it all. And the disciples experienced this, experienced this when they were defeated, when they were discouraged, when they were absolutely lost um, after Jesus, as you know, the one they've been following, has been crucified and seemingly died to them. But then they meet this mysterious man as they walk along a road towards a village called Emmaus. And um, he seemed just like another traveler. But his words began to take an unusual turn for them. And when they reflect on it, they say this. They say, were not, not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And he begins with Moses and the prophets and unpacks everything about the Messiah without actually revealing himself um, until much later. Again, a walking, talking Bible study, but with Jesus. There was a guy called John Sherrill, and he wrote about this discovery in his own life in a book called My Friend, the Bible. And uh, he says this, he says, could it be that Jesus is still opening the scriptures to us individually now as we face specific problems and challenges? And then he read these words of a former uh, president, Woodrow Wilson, who said this, I am sorry for those who do not read the Bible every day. I wonder why they deprive themselves of the strength and the pleasure. And, uh, and he goes on and he says, it is one of the, the most singular books in the world. For every time you open it, some old text that you've read a score of times suddenly beams with a new meaning. There is no other book, he says, that he knows of, of which this is true. There is no other book that yields its meaning so personally that seems to fit itself so intimately to the very spirit that he's seeking its guidance. And so this guy's journey with the Bible began. Discovering and allowing God's words to glow in his heart and to speak into his life. And one of the journeys that is recorded in the book of Exodus, one of the journeys of the people of God that, that Moses had recorded for Joshua, for us and for, for everyone, was when the Israelites leave uh, Egypt. They've been in slavery, they leave, the, uh, they leave the land, they flee Egypt, they cross the Red Sea and they find themselves in the desert with everybody complaining because there appears to be no food around and then in verse 4 of Exodus 16, God says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out every day and they're to gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So they gathered it in the morning and when the sun comes up, it, it melted away. So snooze, you lose. You know, I wasn't there after, in the afternoon. You had to get it uh, first thing. Um, and they did that every day. If you kept it, you had to eat it that day. If you kept it to the next day, it went rotten and got maggots, okay? except on the Sabbath when it lasted two days miraculously. And it was called manna. And it was called manna because it meant, what is it? Because nobody knew what it was. What is it? Okay, that was their word. What is it? And you can imagine a voice coming from heaven saying, well, this is a nutritious daily foodstuff. It is uh, bread from heaven, my children, second only to a festive bake from Greg's. And um, in the New Testament, in John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he uses bread and he uses fish. And he starts to teach them about God's spiritual bread. Verse 31 of John 6, he says that, you know, my, the forefathers, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, the bread from heaven. 
And then in verse 35, he says, I am the bread of heaven. Okay, Jesus says, I am the bread of heaven. And in verse 51, Jesus says, feed on me, eat my flesh and blood. And his disciples are going, eat your flesh and blood. That's weird. Okay, that is so weird. What kind of guy are you? You're not going to eat you. And um, they don't understand that he's talking in a spiritual language. Um, he goes on in, uh, later on and he says, you know, in verse 63, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Okay, they're spiritual words that give you life. The words I have spoken to you. And eventually Peter gets it and he says, you know, where else will I go? You have the words of eternal life. Okay, the importance of these words. And so God's word is heavenly food that nourishes our spiritual life. So let's just take that back again into the narrative of the, the manna story in Exodus chapter 16 and just unwrap some of the aspects that we perhaps might be able to apply to our lives of how they collected the manna and how that affects us as we feed on God's word. Firstly, they gathered the manna every day, daily, every morning, and they had to feed on it every day. And so we can apply that to our lives. You know, God's word is daily nutrition for us and it is nutritious, very nutritious. It was enough for them to do a day's marching through the wilderness. Okay, it will be enough for the challenges that you face uh, in life and work and wherever. At New Year, the health gurus are always telling us, you know, you've got to keep fit. You know, if you, if you don't exercise over three days, then you start losing your muscle tone. You know, you have to replenish your vitamins pretty well every day. Okay, there's something about that. So it is with our spiritual health. You know, if we don't stay close to the Bible, within three days, we start to get spiritually flabby. Um, we find, you know, a problem comes up, but then we lack the spiritual power to meet it. You know, daily nutrition is good, and so it is with the Bible. Alongside that, as the people gathered the manna, they had to go down onto the floor. They had to gather it up from the, the ground. So they'd be down on the knees or they'd be stooping down. And so there's an element of humility as we approach the word of God. You know, we, we don't take it for granted, but actually we're grateful for it and we, we approach it with humility. They were disciplined. It was something they did every day. Um, certainly six days of the week. They developed a pattern. They might even do it together. And so the question for each of us is, is, is what will help us to develop a pattern in our lives of engaging uh, with the Bible um, and keeping us accountable to it? It may be that you want to ask someone to help you keep accountable to it, but come up with a plan to help you um, build a discipline uh, and a commitment to it in our lives. So it was daily. It was also fresh. Um, they gathered freshly, and this might sound the same as every day, but actually something subtly different about it. Because the manner they gathered was for consuming that day. Okay? It, it was of little use for the following day. It was for the day that they gathered it. It was for today. And God wants to feed your mind and your soul for today and for each day. Um, famously, when Jesus faces the temptations in the wilderness in Luke chapter four, many of you will know the story, the, his means of overcoming the temptations is by quoting what? The word of God. That's where his strength comes. That's where his power comes from, God's word. Three times he does it. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
And interestingly, where do those three verses come from? They come from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, and Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. You know, it seems likely that Jesus read Deuteronomy chapter 6, 7, and 8 that morning. Okay, that was his manner for the day reading, and that is what he applied to bring spiritual power and spiritual weaponry when he needed it to face his temptations that particular day. And so they gathered daily and they gathered freshly because it was for using. Thirdly, eat it. That's pretty obvious. But they, they ate the manna. They internalized it. It became part of them. Okay? They couldn't store it in jars or it went rotten. Okay? But they could store it in themselves and it became energizing in their lives. Okay? Leave it around, it rots. They had to internalize it. Jesus has clearly internalized those verses that he's then used um, in his time of temptation. It's given him that spiritual weaponry. It's given him that strength that comes from his word. And he says to his followers, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I've said to you. So all of God's words. But he can only remind us of what's already gone in. Okay? And therefore, we need to engage with the Bible because that is what it is. And then we can release the power of God's word as we speak it out, as Jesus did, into whatever situation we face. And then fourthly is about obedience. It is about being energized by it. The reason they ate the manna was so that they had the energy to live and to do all that they needed to do. We put it into practice. And in the Exodus account in chapter 16, verse 20, we learn that some of them paid no attention to God's instructions and they discovered it didn't pay off because the maggots arose, they went rotten, it smelt bad. And so God had a pattern and he had a design to follow them. And it would, would the people trust him uh, or would they disobey him? Okay, it was a very simple test that would prepare them for harder tests later on. And so it is with us. Will you trust God's word and obey it and live it out? Now, will you continue this year to, to build uh, a kind of pattern into your life of reading and studying the Bible for our own lives? And I think there are so many ways, you know, and we could, could all of us come up with many ways of studying the Bible. You can study a passage. You know, as um, uh, Sarah mentioned earlier, we've got this little booklet, 30 Days. If you've never looked at a Bible, 30 Days just gives you 30 passages that you can look at. You can take a passage and just study that one little passage for a while. You can study a whole book. You might want to start with a short one like the book of Philippians. It's only got four chapters, but just get a feel of a whole book. You can study a character, you know, an Abraham, a Joseph, an Esther, a Ruth, or in the New Testament, a Peter or a Mary, uh, perhaps. You can study a word, you know, how is a particular word used throughout the Bible? You can study an issue that's relevant. You know, money, business, forgiveness. And how does that work out? Um, but have a plan um, as you do. And then just some resources as we come to a close uh, this morning. You know, if you want an introduction and uh, uh, some good starting points, you might be interested in this book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, uh, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. Um, very very good at just engaging us in a, in a more of a studyful approach uh, to the Bible. Uh, on our website, uh, riversidechurch.org.uk, if you go down to the footer, you see it on the bottom right there, the yellow boxes, life group resources, and click on that in the footer, 
Then on the Life Groups page, there's a number of resources there that you can get in the, in the drop-down section in Study Guides. Um, there is a Bible Overview course, God's Big Picture, um, by Vaughan Roberts. It's a free download, so you get a 10-minute video, 60-minute Bible study um, that you can do. Um, there's, a, there's a Reading the Bible, Bible Study section ideas there as well, uh, with some, some things that you can have. Um, an online UView version of the Bible, very useful. There's study resources on there as well. Bible Gateway, another website that has lots of resources. Um, and if you want to know a little bit more about the credibility of the Bible, then there was a talk I did last year, and we've put it together as a little booklet, um, Can We Trust the Bible in Age of Fake News? And if that's something that interests you for the apologetic of that, um, then we've got some of them available for a pound just at the end. Um, you can pick those up um, as well. But as we come to a close, let's pray uh, this morning together. Maybe the bands could come back up um, as well.